Welcome and greetings, career-minded superstars. You are listening to the exclusive Career Coach, your podcast for all things career. And I'm Lisa Edwards, the indispensable career coach for superstars just like you. Now let's dig into this week's topic, shall we? Greetings. How are you guys doing? How's how's your world? So we're recording this on, um, you know, late April, and uh, this is going to be coming out in early June. And so who knows what May will have looked like for us uh, since we've recorded this. So, you know, it's kind of a a very moving target these days, but uh, hopefully this information today about working with executive recruiters is going to be very helpful and I think very timely. And I'm very excited about my guest today and he reached out to me some time ago and I love talking about recruiting. I love talking about the role of recruiters in a job search. And, and I think George and I are on the same page with that. So uh, first of all, I want to welcome you, George. Thank you for coming on the podcast. Lisa, thank you for having me. And uh, I always love our, our banter back and forth. It's always fun. So thanks for, <laughs> hopefully you'll be kind today with, to me. And, and uh, but I always appreciate talking to you. I, I've never bitten a guest yet. I hope you're not the first, right? (laughs) So why don't you start by kind of giving a little bit about your background and how you came into executive recruiting and kind of bring us up to speed in that regard. Right. So, and and, uh, it's, it's relevant to a lot of folks, at least in in 2020, right? I, I had sort of this typical background where I went to school. I worked for, I worked for, initially I worked for some large companies and, uh, and then I, I found myself, this was in 2000, I found myself unemployed and literally at the unemployment office thinking I've done everything I was supposed to do correctly. This isn't, you know, this isn't cool. What should I do next? My plan was to get, you know, my sort of next gig. And I ended up talking to a recruiter who seemed like a cool guy. And, and next thing you know, I'm working there. Right. So uh, I literally found the career that I have now 20 years later because I was unemployed and, and, and to some extent, I think at the time, just desperate to find something. And I, and I literally walked into the job that I have now. Um, I, I worked with this gentleman for a couple of months. And it, it made sense for me to have my own business, right? At the time, it just was sort of, I think naturally, I was called to that. And I, and I built up a, an executive. So now we do executive recruiting. Uh, mostly it's retained, right? So some of your listeners know the difference between retained and contingency. Um, but we do, we work with folks that, are primarily CEOs and CFOs and CTOs and sort of the C-suite. Um, we have a lot of large global clients, some of the products that you know folks use every day, and that's kind of what we're up to. What we're dealing with with people that are making, let's say, three hundred thousand dollars a year to four or five million. Um, but I started my career literally unemployed. I mean, that's kind of an interesting way to <laughs> to start. But I, it's relevant today. I mean, a lot of you know when you, when you sort of hit disaster, disaster become you know, some, some, some disasters become miracles, you know, at times, it's just, a, it's a blessing in disguise at times. I agree. I agree. And, and you, you mentioned retained search, and I really want you to go in a little deeper on that. I've talked on the podcast before about kind of retained search firms versus contingency firms. And um, why don't you give your kind of perspective on, on those differences and, you know, what it means to be in a retained search firm like you are a little, maybe going a little bit deeper on that. So obviously a contingency search, a contingency agency would be, let's say there's an organization that's looking to hire 
uh, let's say they're, they're looking to hire a, a VP of, I mean, I'll just use finance for, so a VP of finance, they'll, they'll then say to the agency, right? So think of it's sort of like an insurance agency uh, or the brokers. So, you know, if, if whoever finds me the best candidate, we'll, we'll, we'll pay 20% of the person's salary and, uh, you know, have fun, right? So the contingency is they're paid, folks are paid upon the successful uh, placement or, you know, finding of that candidate. So it's, it's kind of a, you know, at the end of the day, it's, I think the one thing I don't like about contingency is that the firm doesn't have the best interest of the candidate, you know, sort of in their mind. They're more about the commission. The retained, which is stuff that, you know, we do, and we compete with companies like Corn Ferry and, and uh, Hydric Struggles and Spencer Stewart, we're commissioned by the company and they'll say, okay, we need to find a VP of finance. It's, it's extremely important for us. We're going to work with you and your team exclusively. We'll, we'll pay a percentage of the money up front. And when you find the person later on, we'll then take care of the, the back end. I think the difference though for me is Number one, the organization is invested heavily in, in, in that role. So if, as a candidate, it, it's a little more serious. Uh, number two, the recruiting firm, which is us on the retained side, we have a financial obligation to, to, to work on behalf of the client and make sure that it's the best fit, not only for the, not only for the organization, but also the, the candidate. So I think it's a little more symbiotic you know, in the re- relationship. And uh, that's why I love retained search. I think it's more about partnerships. And it's, it's kind of a three-way partnership, Lisa. I don't know if you've found that on the retained side, but to me, you know, I'm very focused on the culture fit between the candidate and all, as well as the organization, because at the end of, at the, end of the day, the, those two sides have to sort of come to an agreement that it makes sense. And uh, that's, that's sort of the retained model. So my understanding with retained model is you guys might be involved in assessing bench strength, creating the job description, uh, looking at, you know, salary models to determine compensation. You might go all over the country to do initial interviews with these people. You might even be involved in the negotiation of the package. Um, is that is that what you do with your company? Yes, and, that, and that's kind of like a soup to nuts, I guess, approach. And we do that, right? So usually, usually, and, and a lot of times, they'll just want to benchmark the salaries against other industries or some of their competitors. Um, we we do exa- we do exactly that. I would say the handholding, you know, is probably a lot greater at the retained side of it, where there's a lot more meetings about sort of you know the perfect fit, and not only the candidate side but also culturally, and and to make sure that a lot, a lot of times on the retained side there's sort of a, a confidential replacement, right? So, mm-hmm. you know, we'll get involved even legally. We'll, we'll make candidates sign these sort of, you know, these NDAs, right? These non-disclosure agreements, completely secretive. And uh, it's just a very, it's a riskier situa- situation where the company has a lot more to risk in hiring the wrong person. On the other side, on the executive side, you know, a lot of the, a lot of the people we're working with, they're happily employed. It's also very dangerous for them for their current firm to figure out or find out that they might be mm-hmm. entertaining other opportunities. So there's also a risk on that side. So a lot of times there's a lot of legal sort of issues that you have to address before anything happens. It's, 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 it's kind of, I mean, I would say it's confidentiality at its best. Mm-hmm. And uh, I mean, you really, really need to be careful who talks to who. And, uh, but it's, you're, you're totally right about that. 
there's a lot more behind just the search side. And, and on, on, on the contingency side, there's less of that. I mean, you've seen that. Usually, usually at the retain side, and it's not always like this, but it's, it's as a professional, most of the people have been doing it for 10, 15, 20 years, just because of the complexity of it, right? In terms of, there's just a lot of different variables that could, could go wrong um, during some of these, these situations. And one of the pieces of advice that I give my clients, and I want to hear your feedback on this, is I, I, I tell them that when they are contacted by a recruiter, that the first thing they want to find out is whether this is a contingency recruiting situation or a retained search for situation, because oftentimes with the contingency firms, they're building a database for the future because they operate on speed. If they're going to get that commission, they've got to have some people in there kind of in their database that's ready that they can, you know, put forth for that position before, you know, they, they, they don't have time to go out and look for the person once the job lands in their, you know, inbox. Um, and so, you know, they really don't have, they're, they're not necessarily looking for somebody for right now. So if somebody's in an active job search, they don't want to waste their time. If they're job searching, they don't want to waste their time filling out paperwork for a position that may happen, you know, six months down the road when they hope they right. already have another job. Is that, would that be your advice as well? I, I think it's, I think it's the advice is spot on. I, I agree uh, wholeheartedly that that's, that's, I mean, it's, it's, it's spot on. It's, it, the, the advice is perfect. And I'm, I'm not trying to patronize here, patronize <laughs> you here, but it's just the advice is it's spot on. It's perfect. The problem, I guess, you know, on the, so with the retain, so the contingency side, and uh, I mean, I started out that way, but, it's more about quality versus, I'm uh, sorry, but quantity, quantity, it's more about yeah. quantity versus quality. And, and this is just to, just to give you a statistic on our side, we spend $0 a year on job ads, right? So zero, like mm -hmm. I, I spend more at a Starbucks in a year than I do on job ads. Right. <laughs> you know, right. So, and, and why is that? I, I really believe that the perfect candidate out there, the, the person that we want to go after is happily employed. Uh, they might be sort of in, you know, sort of in transition, the the great candidates out there are not really applying to things online, at least at the higher level. And uh, this the second piece is it's it's a lot of these searches, like I mentioned before, are so confidential. It's it's for us, it's more about relationships than just the database, right? So, and and on the contingency side, it is a lot about the database. The other thing I think, and and you you, met, you brought up two things, right? I think as a candidate, you should ask: is it is it is it retained or contingency? Another great question, and this is what I do if I'm at a, like a dinner party and I meet somebody else who's in the recruiting industry, I always ask this. I'll say, well, how long have you been doing it for, number one? And then the second thing is, well, how long have you been there for, right? So usually you'll find this too, and this, this is even on the, on the retained side, but in my industry, if they're sort of job hoppy every two years, one, two, three years, and you've seen this, there's usually a reason and they're, mm -hmm. usually, not, they're usually not that solid. The ones that have been doing the same thing for seven, 10, 15 years at the same place. Uh, I've been doing the same thing for 20 years. I have friends that have been the same, you know, been to the same place for 15, 20 years. In general, they're pretty solid, right? Because it's, it's unfortunately, initially when you start this business, you kind of, you know, you kind of eat what you kill. And, uh, <laughs> you know, if you can't, if you're not, if you're not able to, to do great work, this is a very difficult business to fake it till you make it because you just don't have enough time. You know, it's just like the year goes by, two years go by, and then you need to switch jobs. And you'll see that too. You'll see a lot of the, it's a great thing as a candidate. Just look at the job consistency of your actual recruiter. And uh, 
that will give you a pretty good indication if if you're dealing with somebody who's professional and can help you out or if they're just going to quite frankly you know be nonsense to you right right so to, to that point i know i get a lot of contact uh, a lot of questions from my clients about reaching out to recruiters as part of their job search and they think that that's a really great strategy and i have some pretty strong opinions about that but what would you say, you know, both when you're looking at retained and when you're looking at contingency recruiters, does that make sense when you're actively job searching? And, I, and I'll probably get a lot of, a lot of uh, <laughs> heartache <laughs> from my own, you know, from my peers and colleagues. Uh, but I, I think it's, I think the reality of the situation is this, right? You're, there's an 80% chance or even high, even 85 that you'll find your next role through six degrees of separation, Right in terms of the, your own network, mm-hmm. the, I think the numbers are like 15%. I think it's 15% through a recruiter, 5% through an ad. Uh, the higher up you go in the, in the, in the sort of, the total, you know, the total poll, um, the ad numbers get worse. But if you're going to sort of, I think it should be part of the playbook. I don't think it should be the whole playbook. And uh, I'll tell you why. A lot of the times it's, it's, it's the recruiting world is not a broker agent model, right? Because the, we're working, we're getting hired by the organizations, right? They're, that's our client. A lot of folks will come to me and say, hey, George, can we work one-on-one? Can you find me, you know, five or six opportunities? Like that's not a scalable model for most, most recruiting agencies, either contingency or, or on the, the uh, retained side. But you're, you're, you're 100% correct in saying, think about your, the network that you can build. The recruiter, the recruiter should be maybe, you know, a small percentage of it. It just be, should be part of the playbook, right? There's a lot of, I mean, there's a lot of work that is found through folks like folks like ours, but it's so specific to that one opportunity, right? That's that's the one thing. So we get a client will say, you know, George and team, find us somebody that has these four or five things, and it's it's kind of our role to find somebody that has those four or five things, and uh, with with obviously some soft skills as well, and culturally it fits. From a timing standpoint, the time it's just a, it's a very long process process if you if, if you know if you only play the recruiter route and it just seems to me like it would be kind of like looking for a needle in a you know box of needles to say okay this is the kind of job i'm looking for let me go find the recruiter who happens to be looking for exactly the person that i am right at the moment that i'm looking exactly and and i think a i think a decent thing would be and just some some advice here for some of the candidates if you're a technologist Make sure you deal with a recruiter that specializes in technology, right? I mean, don't go to somebody that, you know, places nurses, right? If you're in finance, I mean, make sure you go to somebody that specializes in finance. And, and sometimes they have, a lot of times they have folks that just, you know, specialize in one industry, like medical or, or, or pharma or, or manufacturing. So that's, that's another piece of advice, but you're totally right about that. It, it's, it should, it's just, it just should be part of the playbook and not the whole thing. I think this is, a, this is a, one thing that you and I find, right, with candidates, and just clients is that people want low hanging fruit, right? They want to send an email, right? They've got a, they make $250,000 a year and they want to send an email and they want the, the money to be returned, you know, via email and, they, and they're hired. It's, it's not like that. I mean, the, the same way that people were finding work, you know, let's say 50 years ago, it's still relevant today. And that's, that strategy still works. And I think if you keep it at a very basic level, you know, when you were 12 years old or 14, when you got your first job and your parents sent you to, the, to your uncle who then sent you to the neighbor, that still works even at a very high level. Yeah, it, that's interesting. As you were saying that, I was thinking we've, we've added all these layers of technology and somehow we have sent the message out to 
you know, the workforce that that's the preferred way to get a job. And, and if we just strip all of what's been become available to us in the last, I don't know, 30 years or so, then that's how we need to be looking for a job. <laughs> exactly. And looking for either right a job, a client, um, it's that's statistically, I mean, that's, those sort of been the numbers, but, and you can, I'm sure you could test this. Most, a lot of your new clients come from referrals, right? From Absolutely. Yeah. And it's, 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 and that's people, people buy people they trust and like people work with people that they trust and like, mm-hmm. and you know, it's, it's much easier. Here's a, here's a great tip for folks. Like, so let's say, you know, so I guess the question is how, how do you use like a job ad where if you're knowing that it's 2% response rate, for example, I don't know if you've seen those numbers, but it's, a, there's a 2% response rate for some of these ads out there. How do you use that ad, you know, to, to find your, your next role there? You can use it as a lead source, right? To figure out, okay, so there's obviously this one company's hiring somebody like me. Um, then you need to think about who do I know? Or who did I, who do I know that used to work there? And you need to strategically play a little bit of chess and, and some reverse engineering and figure out how to play that sort of game and uh, it's a it's a it's a math game it's an activity game and it's a sort of a persistent you know game and i think also what i've been told anyway with the contingency firms is if they if a contingency recruiter looks on your linkedin profile and sees that you're connected to a whole lot of other contingency recruiters he's not going to want to connect with you or have anything to do with you because then it becomes an issue with who gets the commission have you is that true I don't know. I mean, I don't know if I found that. I, um, I, I don't know if that's, I, I don't personally think that way. Um, I'm a fan of, uh, I mean, you know, you and I are in the sort of, one of my businesses, you and I are sort of in the same business, right? On the, on the, we help folks sell, you know, mm-hmm. sort of sell their story and tell their story and, and rewrite the, the branding as well. But I've always been a believer of, you know, that if, if I can help somebody, even if it's a different, the same, you know, let's say they're a competitor of ours. I, I, I think the, for example, on LinkedIn, there is a way, I mean, you can turn off the, you know, you can turn that off on in terms of the security, right? Where you're able to, other folks are not able to see exactly who you're connected to. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think the one fear that I would say is from a corporate standpoint, and this is a valid point that you bring up, if an HR team sees, mm, and, and, okay. and, yeah. and I've been on, I've been in the other side of this where an HR person had said, has said to me, hey, hey, George, we need to talk, you know, so-and-so, I think they're on the market and then they get all sort of freaked out and we're on the phone and like, well, and they start telling me about the LinkedIn and have they fixed the LinkedIn? Um, as a candidate, you know, you need to turn off your broadcast. Act. I don't know if you've seen this on LinkedIn. You can turn off your broadcast notifications. Yes. Um, and the other thing is, I I recommend people that are really conscious about somebody internally seeing their material. I'm a fan of slowly trickling in the information, maybe like you know every every week or two, right? So that you kind of HR every once in a while will look. I think that's your biggest threat. You're, you have more of a threat about it, your internal HR team seeing that you might be in the market than probably an external recruiter worried about you being connected to others. What are some myths that people might have might think are true about executive recruiting that you would want to dispel? So, so a couple of things. So they, they assume sometimes that, like we mentioned before, that it's sort of a broker agent model, right? When really it's not. Mm-hmm. It's, 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 it's sort of, you know, the organization is the one paying us. We're, we're obviously very focused on three-way win, but our client is the organization, right? That's the first piece I would say. The second thing is, I think sometimes candidates think that we have zero risk on our side, you know, in terms of the, the work. The reality is to run a search, you know, costs money, right? So it, it, we've, we have to, when we accept a new search from a client, 
uh, we also have to invest money to, to, to run things. So I think, I think the risk factor, and then if things don't work out later on, obviously we have a guarantee. We guarantee that this person that we're representing will work out. If not, we actually have to return the money, right? Oh, okay. So, so it's, it's a problem. Um, and it, you have to be very careful who you represent and show to your clients or organizations because you can, you can ruin a, there's a, I forget the quote, but you can, it's, you know, you can, you can pretty much spend 20 years and then you can ruin your, you can ruin your relationship very quickly. Right. You know, in sure. one deal. and sure. uh, so that's, they think that there's zero risk. We have a lot of risk in some of these, some of these deals. The other thing is sometimes they just think, I mean, this is just, they think the fees are easy. Right. So we're, some of these fees we have are from like, you know, they're, they're five, they're five, six figure fees. Right. And uh, they think, okay, it's 10, 15, 20, sometimes 50 hours of work. Um, and they do the math, you know, I've been doing this for 20 years, right? So to be able to do something in maybe 40 hours or 50 hours on a search and get, maybe it's a six figure fee. That's been a 20 year investment on my side mm-hmm. to, to learn, you know what I mean? And to learn and, and to, to suffer <laughs> and to cry and, and, and to smile. And so there's been, there's 20 years, you know, so the fees are not as sexy as it, as it, they seem sometimes. So it's not, that's, I think that's the other myth that, you know, folks think that, oh, it's just, a, you know, you work 20 hours and, and it was $100,000. I've been doing it for 20 years and there's so much risk on our side. Do you typically turn or put forward more than one candidate for the position? How does that work? On the retained side, we, we do. Um, we usually, we try to narrow it down to, to four or five candidates. Um, and we, we never hide that fact, you know, with the other mm-hmm. candidates. I mean, we tell you know, I openly tell the other candidates, listen, there's, there's four other people involved at, at the executive level. Everyone's pretty mature. You know, they're, they're, they're pretty understanding and they know that and they're not the only one, but we usually try to, to narrow it down to four or five. And, and to give you an idea to get to those five candidates that we have, we, we've shown the client, we've probably reached out to 300 or 400 people, right? We've probably spoken to, let's say 150 of the 150, maybe, you know, there were sort of 75 that were interested that, and out of the 75, we'll, we'll pick maybe 10. And out of the 10, you know, we'll send five. And then the other five, we'll kind of, we'll keep them, uh, we'll tell them, you know, it's sort of, we've got the first five, you know, in play, we're going to wait a little bit. So there's a, it's, it's, a, it's more of a, you know, very sort of dot your I's and cross your T's sort of mm-hmm, mentality. Mm-hmm. Now on the contingency search, you know, sometimes they, they just get a resume, they send it, they don't know much about the candidate. Right, right. I mean, I could, you know, on my side, I, we, I know, I know the kids' names. I know where they're going to school. <laughs> you know, I know a lot about the people I'm working with. It's just an important part. Culture is huge. Yes. You can have people with great resumes and great backgrounds, but if culture they don't fit, it just doesn't, it's, it's like marriage. You know, this is like, I think placement to me is like a relationship and marriage and, yeah. uh, and divorce, you know, and, <laughs> uh, <laughs> and separation. But the, the, we do a lot of, of handholding and, and we're dotting our I's and crossing our T's much more than, than other, you know, I would say other, other contingency firms, you know, because of the retained side. So it's usually, we try to, we try to show, you know, five people, sometimes, sometimes five people, you know, don't exist, right? Sometimes there's just mm-hmm. two, you know, there's, there's just one, right? So, but it's, it's, it's usually, you know, these are candidates, they also, they understand that there's other people involved. It, it always has to be a symbiotic relationship. That's kind of the thing I think when, you know, if you're a candidate, remember that. Do the employers want you to rank those candidates in any way? Do some of them want that? Do none of them want that? It's a great question. When we show them the five candidates, this is kind of, I mean, our process, but we'll, we'll have a detailed report on each candidate, right? So in terms of the pros, the cons, 
some of the some of the selling points, some of the the, the possible issues. So it's a pretty detailed report on each on each person. Um, we 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 do rank. I would say most clients do want to rank. They, okay. You know, they, they want to see the rank. Sometimes they'll ask us. You know, they'll say, "So there's five candidates. You know, if you had to interview two, who would you interview now?" If they tell me that they'd like to interview three candidates, it's good to always have sort of one more just in case because usually one back out, one might back out. Mm-hmm. Um, but sometimes they'll just want to interview one candidate, which is a terrible <laughs> sort of strategy on their side. We always do our homework. We always do our due diligence. We send those reports to the to the organizations. Some comp- some clients will say, "Can we have the references up front? Can we can we have them later?" But usually there is a ranking order. Um, my my experience, by the way, and this is just twenty. I, I don't think I've figured it out yet in twenty years. You know, I think my, <laughs> like I could rank somebody one, two, three, four, five. It's not you know the number one person doesn't always get the role, right? And sometimes it's the number three person. And uh, it just it comes down to personality a lot of times. Absolutely. All of those intangibles and, and, you know, their chemistry with the person they would be working with, which isn't you. So they have to, they have exactly. to get in there and perform. And one of the things I'm wondering about is here we are in this, this virus. And again, this is coming out. This is June 3rd as this comes out. So, you know, who knows what May is going to bring. I know some things are starting to open, but still we've got a long way to go. So is this changing the way you do business with, with everything that's going on in the world? I would say no, uh, not yet. You know, I wasn't in the business in 1987, but I've been through, so this happened in 1987, 2001, 2008, and now 2020. Our, our game has always been a relationship game, not a transactional-based sort of model. We're, right now, and just to, you know, we're, we're focusing on asking all of our clients in terms of needs and, and, and just how we might be able to help them later on. So we're, we're sort of in the strategic planning stage, I would say. We're on the executive search side. I mean, for us, it's sort of a, it's a, it's a, it's a stop. You know, it's, well, I was going to say pause, but I think it's a stop um, until about July. We're doing a lot of planning. We're still building our relationships. We're still having a lot of conversations. We're still, we're still pretty busy. It's just some of our searches that we've been commissioned for and, you know, paid for at least, you know, initially they're on hold for a little bit, Uh, right? Just the other thing is just logistically, some of these roles that are maybe, you know, half a million, a million dollar, you know, it's just, it's hard to hire somebody via Zoom, you know, so. I don't see kind of. Yeah, especially, you know, some of these companies are, are quite large. To to them, they have a billion dollar problem or, or 10 billion, you know, a $10 billion problem. Yeah, they're they're waiting until the travel restrictions and until it's a little safer to the quarantine, if you want to call it that, um, settles down, right? Unless sure. you're in, in the state of Georgia, right? Which I was. Oh, don't yeah. even get me started. We're yeah. only we're just yeah. like thirty minutes from Georgia, and I'm thinking. Yeah. Made such. Bad I mean, it's it's. Bad, I mean, bad, this is. Bad. This I'll 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 I'll, you know, I'll date this. I mean, it's, we're in April, and today is the day that you're able to. Uh, you know, get a haircut, get your nails done. You can go to the movies and, and also um, I bowling. Think bowling, you can go stick bowling. your fingers into. That's <laughs> all I could think of was just stick your fingers down into those holes that are questionable uh, on a good day. Right. Uh, right. So, <laughs> it's either I mean, yeah, it's either going to be a great case study or you know what were you thinking moment, right? So, I, I I tend to think it's going to be the latter, but <laughs> time will time will tell. Yeah. So. Right. So one of the things that I talk to my clients about in terms specifically with executive recruiters is 
that I think a much better strategy for them is to develop long-term relationships with a few recruiters so that they're providing value to the recruiters in, you know, many different ways. Maybe it's referrals, maybe it's kind of, here's what you need to know is going on in our industry right now in our, in our, you know, in the vertical that I'm in, the job function that I do, but providing value as part of a long-term relationship so that they're, in that pipeline when the right position comes along, is that a good strategy? And are there some other ways that people can cultivate those relationships? That's a great strategy. The, you know, I think there's uh, I mean, you, you kind of, you know, paraphrase what I was about to say uh, when I, when I heard you start, start to ask that question, we, we've done, and I'll tell you a story. I mean, there was somebody that I was a client of mine, just, we started out as a, as a sort of a client relationship. So he was in California, he relocated to New York. And uh, for for a C, he was actually a CHRO. Ended up ended up uh, you know he, we were going to sort of do more work together in, in in New York, and he ended up getting like he was there for a week and he was on he was asked to leave right. I mean it was just I think they sort of like buyer, I don't know it was like buyer remorse I guess right. So he's like George I'm out of work, uh, I need some help. So we were it was always just a, you know sort of uh, we were, we were it was a client that became, we were always sort of friendly as well. Um, once a month we would meet, you know, for, for drinks, at, you know, in, in New York city. And, uh, we would talk about things. I later then was able to connect him to somebody where he ended up as a, at least a consultant for a year and, you know, and, and then he ended up someplace else and now he's my client and, you know, they just gave us about a million dollars in 2000, just for one client. Right. So about a million dollars in business in 2019. So I think that's somebody, right. That needed my help. Um, I think when you become friends and more, you know, business partners with the recruiters in a genuine way, right. Knowing the, their kids' names and, and, and what they do for fun. And, you know, if they do, they go to Georgia to get their hair cut and, and, and things <laughs> and like bowl. that. And to bowl. And bowl. And, 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 right. They're probably going to make you bowl with like, you know, with uh, gloves on. Right. Which that would weird. be super yeah. interesting to watch. <laughs> and I guess, you know, I guess, what do you do about the shoes, right? There's the rental shoes. Oh, and there's God. a lot of. <laughs> you had to bring that up. <laughs> but I think, I think, you know, being friends with and business partners with people, all the clients we have, are I would consider them friends, you know, friends first, and then we just happen to do business later. Some of them started out as business relationships. And I think that goes with anything. That's just a typical sort of, that's how you network. I think if you're genuine, and you brought up another thing about giving referrals, the candidates that are like me, 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 you know, like they, in general, they don't really do well. The, the ones that are giving and the ones that are, are trying to help other people, that always comes full circle, you know, without a doubt. So I think, Friends, business partners, right? So be a friend, be a business partner, give lots of referrals. You know, I think just just be honest, right? Sometimes, sometimes, uh, sometimes you can just be honest with folks, and they they also appreciate that. So that's a. I mean, you're. I, I'm not. I'm not trying to agree with everything you say, but you and I are on the page with a lot, like a lot of things, right? And that's why you know when we first spoken, when we had first spoke, we had talked about that, right? We we agree with a lot of, you know, a lot of things. But I think that's also. I'm not trying to age ourselves here, but that's from experience as well. I tell uh, people at, at the age that I'm at after the numbers of years of experience that I have in this field, if I'm not really great at what I do now, there is something horribly wrong with all of it, right? Like uh, you right. should expect someone that has the amount of experience that you and I have to be. And, and interestingly enough, George, a lot of people who don't understand what I do when I tell them I'm a, I'm a career coach and, a, and a, I help people with their job search, they say, oh, you're a headhunter. I'm like, no, 
Right. <laughs> I'm not a headhunter. And then I have to explain to them. And the most interesting thing was I met with a pe- group of people my age. Now that was such a big mistake, but I had to go to know that it was a mistake because they were all retired. Right. And one lady said the reason she joined the group was it was the only time she ever went out of the house all month long. I was like, Oh, oh no. What? And, and <laughs> someone, and they said, so you're retired. And I said, no, I said, actually, I'm, I'm really ramping up my business. And they said, what do you do? And I said, well, I'm a career coach. And they, they could not understand it. And I, I can't think of what's much simpler than the word career and, and coach. Word coach. Yeah. And I don't know if they were, if they thought I was like, like a career hockey coach or like, I don't know <laughs> what, where the problem was, but I kept going over it. And of course, a little louder every time, because I thought maybe it was a hearing aid issue, but <laughs> It was like, I have never felt more like a, a fish out of water than I did right. that group of people. I, I've been, I've been confused as I, when I tell people, you know, I travel quite a lot and I'll say I'm a, I'm a, you know, I'm a headhunter or, um, and they'll, they'll, or I'm just a, you know, I'm a, I'm a talent acquisition and they'll say, Oh, like, what are you in Hollywood or like oh. what kind of movies <laughs> or like, is it sports, you know? And I'll yeah. get that sometimes. I'm, I'm a big fan of coaches in general. And I, you know, if you think about this, right, we have coaches from the beginning of our, our life, right? We've got parents, right? I mean, it's, it's, so we've got them, we go to school, we have coaches, they're called teachers. And then you go to, you know, church, synagogue or, or a mosque. I mean, you know, we've got, we've got those sort of coaches, you know, you go to university, if, if you go and you've got professors and the, the interesting thing is, right, we do all of this, right? And then we, uh, and this is what I love about what you do for a living, right? Is that we do all this, we get to like 22, right? When we most need a coach. <laughs> and yes. And then we, and then we just act, you know, I mean, it's, it's, uh, we just, act, you know, we just don't do what we're supposed to do. And that goes on until about 30, 35 and 40. And then they, then around 45, they call you, right? Because they're in desperate, like, what do I do? Um, but I think if you can hire a coach soon and early, yes, you know, especially from career, I mean, this is, this is how I see this. And I'm, you know, I've got clients as some of us, some, we have some similar clients, right? Where, they have a two hundred. They have a hundred thousand dollar problem, two hundred thousand dollar problem, three hundred thousand dollar problem. If they had a legal problem like that, they would get professional advice. Right. If they had a tax problem, right? They would get professional advice. But they're doing it. Your, I mean, it's a do do yourself model for their career. And maybe maybe um you know maybe because I've seen the the benefits of it, but I I wish more people understood the real benefit of of hiring, you know, hiring somebody like yourself, right? And, and I'm not saying, you know, listen, maybe they don't want to hire you, but hire somebody like Lisa, right? Hire, Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, get, get somebody in your team that can, that can lead you through. I have a, just to give you an idea, I mean, I've got 30 people. We do close to, um, you know, so it's, eight, it's an eight-figure business, right? I have a coach that I talk to, you know, it's twice a month for an hour, you know, just to say, hey, I've got these things going on. Um, how do I play this or how do I play that? Uh, I, I, there's so much value in it. And if, even if you learn, it's kind of like a book, right? If you learn one thing, from the $25 book you bought, I mean, it could change your life, right? So it's so valuable. And the way I look at coaching is that you can go to your parents or your spouse or your, I don't know, adult children or coworkers, and you can ask for their advice. And what they're going to tell you is what makes sense to them from their perspective. And what a coach is going to do is hold the space for you to figure this out on your own with support and they're not going to tell you what to do. They're going to help you figure out what makes the most sense for you to do, which I think is so beautiful. And as I heard it said one time, kind of to your point about your coach, and I have, I have one as well, is this is somebody who, has a, who is paid to listen to me exclusively for whatever period of time per week we've agreed upon. 
I get their undivided attention. And that at, at certain levels, I really, I think at any level, that is just so golden to have someone who is 100% focused on you, not to tell you what to do, but to help you to figure it out on your own. Right. And, and you also, you're, you're, you get to bypass all of the years of pain, right? Because you get to, I mean, you can, right. You can pay, I mean, essentially paying for to, because you're able to ask that other person who has expertise. I mean, you've done, this is, and I was, this is what I don't like about the do it yourself model for the, for the sort of, you know, the resume writing and the LinkedIn <sighs> is that you've done, you know, you've done 20,000 of these, right. And they've yeah. done it. They've done it like three times. Right. And you know, like who's going to win that battle. The second thing is, when you do ask your friends and family and, and everyone else, you know, they're, they're sensitive in terms of the cheerleading part of it. And, uh, you know, I think they need real counsel where somebody can just tell them sort of the way it is and, and you know, real honest counsel that, that can empower their lives, right? So I think that's the benefit of, of hiring, not only, not only from, a, you know, from a career standpoint, but even from an athletic standpoint or just anything. I think it, that support uh, and knowing that you have, to, you have to be accountable to somebody later on it's yes. just a, the other, and the other thing is, I mean, I can just tell you, the pain point knowing that you have to pay somebody to help you sometimes is enough for a lot of people. Where... Absolutely, I was just talking to some friends of mine who just put down ten thousand dollars for a sales program for a new product that they've developed, and they were talking about how that has caused them to be hyper focused on getting this done and doing it well and doing it quickly. And in a way that they haven't felt in some time. And yeah, $10,000 will get your attention. Well, the other thing too is, I mean, I, you see this, right? I mean, folks will, will spend 30, 40, 50, you know, 60,000. They'll invest in a car, which is a terrible investment. They'll invest in the car, but they won't spend, let's say a couple thousand dollars to invest in themselves. Right. You know, and yes. uh, it doesn't, some of it doesn't make sense. But I think if you can, I think if you can afford to, to get a coach, then the answer yes. If you can't afford to want, if you can't afford to get a coach, then the reason you can't afford one is because I think you're probably being counseled incorrectly and, you know, you might want to figure out a way. It's the reason to, you need one. The reason you can't ex afford. Ex exactly. Ex exactly. And, and, uh, and, and talk about coronavirus, by the way, there's a lot of people that have problems now, right? It, their, their problem is, is probably, you know, it's been, it's been embellished. I think, you know, it's, it's sort of, I don't know if embellished is the right word, but I think it's been exposed it's the same problem they had four months ago. It's just their problem's been exposed now, right? Interesting, because so. that's exactly what my coach was talking about on her podcast this week. I listened to the Life Coach School by Brooke Castillo, and she's my life coach. Right. And she was talking about the same thing, that it's just sort of amplified, whatever. It's, not, it's nothing new. It's just amplified. And, and my, my, um, the way that I think about investing money in a resume writer is, Yes, it's your career. And that the theory is that it's me, so I should know how to write about me better than anybody else. But it's your plumbing in your house. Are you going to run and try to go fix it if it's broken? It's your electricity. Exactly. <laughs> it's your car. It's your car. <laughs> but, I, but I bet exactly. you take you you hire professionals for all of those things. And what will take you 20 hours of work to try to create a half decent resume, I can do for you much more efficiently. And 10 times better it is worth every penny especially when you think of what your hourly you know rate would be if you're doing whatever it is you do to bring in money and the and the roi i mean there's you know this you can yes. the, the statistics i mean and you know, even if you make let's say you make uh you know if you make a hundred thousand dollars a year it's you know it's nine let's say it's you know so it's right so it's uh you know eight thousand dollars a month right let's say right so you know, I mean, every month that you wait is it costs eight thousand dollars, right? Right. About this. 
I mean, that's even at a hundred thousand dollars. You know, if you could, obviously, you know, we could, I could play that game, you know, up until a pretty high <laughs> number, but, but even at a hundred thousand dollars, the cost is eight, it costs you about $8,000 to get it wrong. Yeah. And uh, I think one of the things I like about just coaches in general, especially on the career coach side is that sometimes the grass is not greener, you know, in terms of the other opportunities. And I've seen this too on the recruiting side. And I think a coach, you know, will sort of walk somebody through that a lot of the times just so that they can do some, and so the candidate can do some of their own due diligence in an intelligent, you know, intelligent way. And, uh, you know, those are, those are really costly mistakes. And it's not about the financial part of it. It's, it's more about the stress of it and the kids in different schools and you're moving and, you know, you have to be really careful where you end up next. So that's, that's, I think coaches and career coaches are great for that because you get somebody who can advocate, you know, to make the right decision, or at least you can, you can hedge your bet. So you do make the right decision. I think it's absolutely valuable. Absolutely. It is. It's well worth the investment. We are definitely on the same page, George. Well, we are. Except for so, the bowling shoes. And, and, uh, I think and we are on the same page. That <laughs> that's are. a terrible idea. <laughs> we are. I am 30 minutes away probably from a Georgia bowling alley and you don't even have to ask the question. No way, no way in hell. <laughs> so how can listeners find you, George? So if they're, and if they're, if they're looking for, um, you know, sort of some executive strategies and, and maybe in, you know, in opportunities, right. Um, or if they're even looking to hire talent, maybe they have a problem in terms of getting talent. Sure. Just, they're, they're just, and you call it that needle in the haystack kind of, you know, where they have this concept of the perfect candidate and it's been, and they've spent a lot of money internally and they just can't find that person. And um, the best way and the easiest way is just to, so they could, they could look, I'm on LinkedIn. I've got like 30,000 connections. Um, if they just Google me, right. So it's George and then Garin, uh, it's M C G E H R I N. If, if they remotely even get, the spelling close, <laughs> I'll show up. Uh, we'll or, put that then, in the show notes too, so right. you'll have that. Well, I appreciate that. And, and in terms of the easiest way is just to send us a text with your name and uh, sort of the reason for the, for the, uh, the outreach. And just, you know, just mention that, that you, you found me through, through Lisa Edwards, right? And uh, they can text us. So it's just 212-658-0801. You know, so it's plus one, right? So it's a US number, uh, 212 Six five eight zero eight zero one. And you do recruitment for companies all over the country. You're not just located in New York City area. We have so we have clients that are all over the place in terms of industry, geography, um, you know, revenue streams. We we also have we also because a lot of clients we work with are we've so we've got clients that go from let's say five million in re, five million in revenue to you know ninety to hundred billion. Um, some of them have a global reach, so we also do searches in South America okay. and part, parts of Europe. And um, we're not, we're not strong at all in, in Asia, for example, but I would say, you know, so, you know, pretty much North America, we're constantly doing searches in Mexico or Canada as well, because a lot of our, just a lot of our clients have a global reach, especially now where, you know, it's, the world is smaller, you know, so, mm -hmm. so there's, I think a lot of companies are, are sort of figuring out that they can also find, you know, if you're, if you're in California, you can find great talent, you know, maybe in Toronto as well, right? Or, you know, yes. so it's, um, there's, there's that piece. I think that's actually going to be even greater, right? I think a lot of companies are, are seeing that and they're, they're realizing, um, you know, I think the global market might change a little bit in terms of that after the coronavirus thing, you know, sort of yeah. settles down a little bit. Absolutely. Well, I will have all of George's contact information in the show notes. So you guys take a look at that. Reach out to George. I'm sure he'd be glad to answer any questions. And again, if you think you might be a good candidate or a good client for him, I'm sure he wants to hear from you. 
as always, I want to be your career coach. And many of you have reached out to me to schedule that 45 minute consult. And, and once again, let me tell you that that is an opportunity for us to take this to the next level. I have provided you with well over a hundred episodes of content on the podcast. And so many have, of you are just taking that and it's all you need. And I am more than glad to give that for those of you that would like to work one-on-one -on -one with me, the next step is that consult. So we've got the link in the show notes for you to get on my calendar. And we're gonna talk about where you're at now, where you wanna go, what you've done to get there, if anything, and what might be holding you back. And I will prescribe for you what I believe you need. And it may be me and it may not be me, but if it is me, I'll let you know what that would look like and we can talk about the specifics. But I am here to help you. I am genuine in that. And so if all we do in that call is I point you in the right direction of something that will serve you and make your, uh, your career management or your job search much easier, then I'm glad to do that. So reach out to get me, you know about all the socials. So find me on Instagram. I too play full out, although I don't have, what was it, 60 gajillion uh, contacts on LinkedIn. I just reached the 5,000 <laughs> mark. And uh, find me on uh, Facebook at Exclusive Career Coaching. And I'll see you next week, guys. You've been listening to the Exclusive Career Coach with Lisa Edwards, CEO of Exclusive Career Coaching. It would be great if you would rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast. Also, I want to be your career coach, so be sure to ask questions about your career management challenges and job search situation. Until next time.